Okay. Praise the Lord. Oh. Well, we're going to start out here. We're going to go back to David again. But I want to go to, let's do the Christmas story just a second here. That'd be in Luke chapter 2, because I believe there's something here that, oh, I remember this. Yeah, look at that. Okay. About this time, this is Luke chapter 2. Remember, your Bible's historical. So this is not like, we need to have a, a, a little spiritual, this was not a spiritual story. Spiritual things are all over it, but, but it, look at this. About the time Caesar Augustus, he never existed. Oh, yes, he did. The Roman emperor. So we already have a time frame. We know when this happened. That's why your calendar is dated, you know, whatever it is, 2019, June, whatever, the 16th today, in the year of our Lord. Okay. Decreed that a census should be taken. You know what that is? How many people are out here? Okay. Uh, Through the nation. This census was taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Boy, a lot of things. So they actually were doing something. There was two people's names who were head of governments. Everyone now, wow. So wouldn't this have affected everyone? Well, I'm not going to do that. Well, yeah, you were too. Returned to his ancestral home for this registration. I remember we're looking at something about David. So this is going to point that it happened. And because Joseph was a member of the royal line, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, King David's ancient home, journeying there from the Galilean village of Nazareth. David, David, David. What does he have to do with it? Oh, my goodness. Wow. Anyway, so let's go back and we'll pick up uh, where we left off here. And this is just uh, not little snippets. This was the historical line of David. More things happened, but these were the things that were listed in, uh, shall we say, the history. Now, uh, I'm going to go to, fir- oh, I need 2 Samuel. Excuse me. It was 1 Samuel. Let's go to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 20. And uh, actually, before I get going in 2 Samuel, it's the last verse. Yeah, look at that. 2 Samuel 20. We're going to do 2 Samuel 20, but look at the last verse just to get it. Notice he says, uh, Joab was commander-in-chief of his army. That was a cousin of his. Benaniah was in charge of the king's bodyguard. That's because he was dead burned good. So was Joab. Adoram was in charge of the forced labor battalions. I can't read the Bible. It has to do with slaves. Anyway. Jehoshaphat. It's a different Jehoshaphat. Look at that. Was the historian. Well, we give him an F because in those days he probably couldn't read or write. Who kept the records? Shiva was secretary. Zadok, Abathar were the chief priest. Jesus mentioned this guy. Well, he mentioned David too as well. Irar the Jerite was David's personal chaplain. Wow. Looks to me like they got a pretty doggone good organization. Well, they do. All right, let's back up and let's get what happened here. Okay, so David is now back as, you know, he was only, he was only dismissed, got run out by his son, uh, before, actually before his son Absalom. Got that. That was the previous chapter. Absalom got killed now. David came back. But then a hothead whose name was Sheba, they just got back. And this guy had raised a lot of Cain saying, we're going to split the kingdom up. David's not our king. Anyway, son of Bikri, a Benjamite. Again, why do we get these things? Because this is history. Once you figure out it's hard to scratch and say, I guess Jesus was actually here, then maybe what happened is important to me. Yeah, it is. It is. We want nothing to do with you. And you take this and you compare this with Hinduism, Jainism, all the other religions and stuff like that. You know, 
If you kill a bug, that's a guy who's been reincarnated. You know, I hear it all the time. I, people are talking all the time. They, they just say this. Now, they mean to be funny. They don't re- but really, it's just part of our, they'll go, in my prior life. You know, see, I could start saying, yeah, in my prior life, I used to work at RV Park in Gunnersville. No, I was Phil, you know. But we think it's funny. We think, it, it, think it, that's just what we say. Yeah, in my prior life, I was probably an engineer. Or when I come back, I want to be, you're not coming back that way. You're going to come back as Richard Adair or whoever you are. And we're going to reign a thousand years. Then there's going to be a new heavens, a new earth. Richard, where are you getting this from? The history book. Revelation going forward. So this guy, boy, he was a hothead. He blew a trumpet and yelled, we want nothing to do with David. Well, guess what? All those people weren't registered in the city of Sheba, were they? They were registered in the city of David, the ones who were of David's. Anyway, come on, you men of Israel, let's get out of here. He's not our king. <laughs> you can say that all you want to, but all Israel's coming right back to David in just short time. So all except Judah and Benjamin turned around and deserted David and followed Sheba. But the men of Judah stayed with their king, accompanying him from the Jordan to Jerusalem. Now, let's hold up a minute. So David just had his son pull off an insurrection, but it didn't work. David had to leave the palace, but now he's back. But now guess what? What's the math? Uh, Two-twelfths, shall we say. What is that? Two-twelfths? Help me out. Eighth, whatever it is. Two-twelfths of the kingdom is all he's got. The rest of them have all left. So he doesn't have but like 80% of the kingdom. That's kind of a slapness. But uh, hey, it's the Lord's will. You got to take... No, none of this Lord's will stuff. He didn't lose this group. They all came right back. Watch what happens. So, but the men of Judah stayed with their king, accompanying him from the Jordan to Jerusalem. So David just got back. When he arrived at his palace in Jerusalem, the king instructed that ten of his, the ten of his wives, remember these are the ones that his son was told to put on CNN, HBO, and let everybody watch how he took them to bed. Disgracing his dad. Anyway, he instructed his ten wives who had left to keep house should be placed in seclusion. Well, uh, poor women, just kick them out. No, read the rest of this. Their needs were to be cared for, he said, but he would no longer sleep with them as his wives. So they remained in virtual widowhood until their deaths. But man, they were taken care of. Wow. The king instructed Amasa to mobilize the army of Judah within three days and to report back at that time. So Amasa went out to notify the troops, but it took him longer than three days he had been given. Now, Amasa went out to go get the rest of the SEC. Remember, there's only two tribes where that other hothead just said, hey, let's get out of here. But Amasa went to go round them all up. It took him a little long. David said to Abishai, that's one of his cousins, this fellow Sheba is going to hurt us more than Absalom did. Well, wait a minute. The story of Absalom didn't happen. Yeah, it did. It's the previous chapter. It did. Quick, take my bodyguard. Who's that? Benaniah. Chase after him before he gets to a fortified city where we can't reach him. You know, David's all the time thinking we're going to be more than conquerors. We're going to win. Yeah. So Abishab and Joab set out for Sheba with an elite guard from Joab's army and the king's own bodyguard. As they arrived at the great stone of Gibeon, they came face to face with Amasa. Now Amasa, you know, he was actually kin to Joab. But remember, uh, Joab's got some beef with him. You know, Joab was wearing his uniform with a dagger strapped to his side. He stepped forward with great to, to greet Amasa. He stealthily slipped the dagger from its sheath. I'm glad to see you, my brother. No, he didn't say uh, my political friend. No, they were cousins. Joab took him by the beard and with his right hand as though to kiss him. I don't see Trump kissing Putin, you know, whatever. 
You know, they're good friends. They're going to shake and stuff. But see what I'm saying? This guy, this guy was fooling him. But Asa thought, hey, okay. He didn't see the dagger in his left hand. And Joab stabbed him in the stomach with it so that his bowels gushed out to the ground. You can figure that out. He didn't need to strike it again. He died there. Joab and his brother Abishai okay, left him lying there and continued uh, after Sheba. Now remember just two days ago, it was Amasa that was trying to attack oh, David's troops. But David's troops beat the poop out of them. And that's where Amasa was. But he reunited everybody. The civil war was over with, basically. So now you know why Joab pulled this off. Anyway, one of Joab's young officers shouted to Amasa's troops, If you're for David, come follow Joab. But Amasa lay in the blood in the middle of the road. When Joab's young officers saw the crowd was gathering around to stare at him, they dragged him off the road into a field and threw a garment off him. Get this guy out of the road. Okay. Anyway, you're going to see real quickly that everybody joined Joab. With the body out of the way, everybody went with Joab to capture Sheba. Meanwhile, Sheba traveled across Israel to mobilize his own clan at Bikri, the city of Abel, and whatever this place. When Joab's forces arrived, they besieged Abel and built a mound on top of the city wall and began battering it down. Look at this. But a wise old woman. Ah, women aren't no count. Men wrote the Bible. Well, why'd we throw this in here? Man, there was a woman, remember that, in the book of... Uh, Book of Judges, she drove a stake through uh, one of the bad guy's heads. Anyway, but a wise woman in the city called out to Joab, listen to me, Joab, come over here so I can talk to you. We well, you don't. See, this is total history. Anyway, as he approached, the woman said, are you Joab? Yeah, I am. She said, there used to be a saying, if you want to settle an argument, ask advice at, at Abel. For we, will, for, uh, for we always give wise advice. You are destroying the ancient, peace-loving city, loyal to Israel. Why should you destroy what's the Lord's? And Joab said, that isn't it at all. We're not trying to wipe you out. You give a sh- uh, you give it. The man I want, Sheba, from the hill country of Ephraim. He's revolted against King David. You know, David's like, hey, I got a problem. Lord, fix it. You know, if you'll deliver him to me, we'll leave the city in peace. All right, the woman said, we'll throw his head over the wall. Guess what? Woman went to the uh, people of the city with her advice. They cut Sheba's head off and threw it out to Joab. He blew the trumpet and called his troops back from attack, and they returned to the king of uh, to the king of Jerusalem, which is David. Joab. <laughs> See, remember it was a Mesa. Now David was trying to pull that off to kind of unite the kingdom, but Joab said, "I ain't dealing with my cousin being the boss." So anyway, Joab was commander in chief of the army. Benaniah was in charge of the king's bodyguard. Adoram was in there. Here, where he read that part. He was head of the, uh, the forced labor, and then there's the historian. There you go, there you go. All right, here we go. Boom. Read this 20 years from now. No, we don't. There was a famine during David's reign that lasted year after year for three years. Now, that's bad news. We ain't got no green beans, you know. Corn is on the, I mean, it's, everything's affected. How much wine you got left? We're about out. David spent much time in prayer about it. Well, I have people, he just said he had a chaplain. My chaplain does all my praying. Oh my gosh, no. We're all welcome to pray. We're all, the Lord's merciful to all of us. Then the Lord said, the famine is because of the guilt of Saul and his family, for they murdered the Gibeonites. Uh, uh, you'd have got this. Just look at it. Something happened. Saul did something here. They murdered the Gibeonites. Well, actually... You don't have to go to school to learn this. You'd have found it. Uh, let's go to the book of Joshua. 
it's right here. A whole chapter. Okay, this is when they're marching in the promised land. Joshua's leading them, and boy, they're wiping everybody out. They're wiping out this one group, and they're going, we are dead. So they acted like, uh, uh, we're newcomers. We don't live here. And they acted like they were poor. And they go, ah, oh, we're from another land, and we heard y'all were coming. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we'd like to help out. Uh, would you cut a deal with us? Because God had already said, wipe everybody out. Wipe them all out. So that's what happened. When the kings of the surrounding area heard what happened to Jericho, remember the walls came tumbling down, they quickly combined their armies to fight for their lives against Joshua and the Israelis. These were the kings of the nations west of the Jordan River. Oh, the shores of the Mediterranean as far north as Lebanon, and the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Pizites, uh, Parasites it is, Hivites and Jebusites. But when the people of Gibeon, ha, remember the Gibeonites, heard what happened to Jericho, man, they were scared out of their gourd. I think that's what it says. And they, they, res- oh, they resorted to trickery to save themselves. They sent ambassadors to Joshua. Look what they did. Wearing worn out clothes as though they were from a long journey with patched shoes and weather-worn saddlebags on their donkeys. Old patch wineskins. Dry, moldy bread. That's spiritual, isn't it? It's history. Okay. When they arrived at the camp of Israel at Gilgal, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, Now they're lying. We are from a distant land and we asked for a peace treaty with you guys. Well, the Israelis said to the Hivites, How do we know you don't live nearby? For if you do, we can't make a treaty with you. Because the Lord said, no treaties, wipe you out. Okay? Well, they replied, look what they said. Oh, we'll just be your slaves. Well, but who are you? Where do you come from? Oh, we're from a very distant land. Oh, but we've heard of the might of the Lord your God and all that he did in Egypt. I tell you what, this is what ticks the Lord off. When we start saying that stuff never happened, you can expect your prayers to quit working. You start putting God in a box and saying he never did these things. Look at these. These people had enough sense to know that, boy, Moses and them, boy, the Lord brought them out with a mighty arm. Okay. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, Sion, the king of Heshbon, and Og, king Bashan, that was on the other side of the Jordan River. So our elders and our people instructed us, prepare for a long journey. Now they're lying. Go to the people of Israel and declare, declare that, hey, look, let's make a deal. Okay. Okay. This bread was, look at this, they're making this up. This bread was hot from the ovens when we left, but now you see it's dry and moldy. You liars. The wineskins were new, but now they're old and cracked. Our clothing and shoes have become worn for a long journey, a hard trip. Joshua and the other leaders finally believed them. They didn't notice that. They didn't bother to ask the Lord. Do you know that? The Lord would have told them. So if you think you're getting rooked on a car deal, say, hold on a second. Walk out to your car for a moment and say, Lord. Should I be doing this or not? I want to know if this is the right thing. Now oh, the Lord won't help you. Yes, he will. He'll help any of you. Anyway, doesn't have to be a car deal. It could be anything else. Anyway, they went ahead. Look at that. They signed a peace treaty. And the leaders of, leaders of Israel, they ratified the agreement. Look at that. With a binding oath. Now that's what got David in trouble later. I'll show you why. Three days later, the facts came out. Yep, the truth always comes out. These men were close neighbors. The Israeli army set out at once to investigate and reach their cities in three days. These were the cities, Gibeon, Cherith, Hibberoth, and one of these other. Okay. But the cities were not harmed because of the vow which the leaders of Israel had made before the Lord. The people of Israel were very angry at their leaders for making this deal because of the peace treaty. But the leaders said, we have sworn before the Lord of Israel, we'll not touch them and we won't. 
We must let him live, for this is our oath. Look at that. The wrath of Jehovah will be upon us. So what's going on? See, these th- the wrath of the Lord has changed. When you give your life to Christ, it's stopped. At this point, remember, this was the Lord's people. And he was among them, okay? That's the reason little fires would break out and, and stuff like that. And Aaron had to run in there and do something real quick to stop the wrath of the Lord. Okay, anyway. So they became the Israelis, uh, the servants of the Israelis, chopping wood and carrying water. Okay. Oh, anyway, Joshua said, why'd you guys lie to us? But let's go back. So here we go. So yeah, but what happened over here? All right, let's go back and we'll see it. Second Samuel, we're at 21 this time. So there's this doggone famine. Nothing's growing. What happened? The Lord said the famine's because of the guilt of Saul. That was the first king. That was David's boss and his family. For they murdered the Gibeonites. King David summoned the Gibeonites. They were not part of Israel, but were but was a but was what was left of the nation of the Amorites. Israel had sworn not to kill them. See, there it was. But Saul, in his nationalistic zeal, tried to wipe them out. Well, David said, what can I do to, for, for you to rid ourselves of this guilt to induce you to ask God to bless us? Well, money won't do it, the Gibeonites said. We don't want to see is, the Israelites, uh, no, excuse me, and we don't want to see the Israelites executed in revenge. Well, what can we do then? Well, David, David asked, just tell me what to do and we'll do it. Give us seven of Saul's sons, the sons of the man who did his best to destroy him. We'll hang them before the Lord in Gibeon, the, uh, the king of Saul. Okay. All right, the king said, I'll do it. Now, he spared Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. Remember, he was the one that couldn't walk, whatever. Who was Saul's grandson because of the oath between himself and Jonathan. But he gave them the two sons of Armani and Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, whatever, whose mother was Rizpah, the daughter of Ai. He also gave them the five adopted sons of Michael that she brought up for Saul's daughter, Merib, the wife of Adrian. Okay, so here's these seven guys. So the men of Gibeon, they impaled them on the mountain before the Lord. So all seven of them died together at the beginning of the barley uh, harvest. Wow. I guess it was all fiction. No, it wasn't. Then Rizpah, she was the mother of the two. She spread sackcloth upon a rock and stayed there through the entire harvest season to prevent the vultures from tearing the bodies during the days during the day and the wild animals from eating at night. When David learned what she did, he arranged for the men's bones to be buried in the grave of Saul's father, Kish. At the same time, he sent a request to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, asking them to bring the bones of Saul and Jonathan. Uh, they had stolen their bodies from the public square at Bethshed, where the Philistines had impaled them. Okay, here we go. So their bones were brought to him. Then at last, God answered their prayer and ended the famine. You say, well, Richard, now hold on, remember. Think about the ark, okay? Remember, there were two boys, Aaron's sons, Tried to go in there. Hey, we'll just burn whatever we want to. We'll just take. They got so close and all of a sudden, they were charred. God's presence was here at Israel. Now, they've been screwing it up like crazy. And they royally screwed it up here by saying, we will never touch the Gibeonites. We're not going to mess with them. We promise. And then they broke it. They killed them all, except for a few left. Anyway. So anyway, all right, here we go. Uh, once the Philistines uh, were at war with Israel and David and his men were in the thick of battle. Now notice this, David got out of that trouble, didn't he? He's just always getting out, always getting out, always getting out. Yep, watch this. And I tell you, David wasn't a wimpy guy. He didn't roll over and say, well, I'm going to quit, quit fighting. 
They were at war with Israel. David and his men were in the thick of battle. David became weak and exhausted. Well, we need to scratch that from the records. No, it's history. David was, he was fighting with all his might and all of a sudden the Jews started running out. Now look at this. Ishibanab, whoever that is, we'll just call him Ike. A giant whose spear tip weighed more than 12 pounds. Now where's all these doggone giants coming from? Now wait just a second. Goliath's brother is coming up in a second. It wasn't just one. Look at it. His spear, man, his tip of his spear was good grief, like a boat anchor. He was sporting a new suit of armor. He closed in on David and was about to kill him. Now this is you and I. You think it's over with? You think you're toast? No, praise God, you're always going to get out. Closed in on David, is about to kill him. But Abishai, oh, where'd he come from? The son of Zarukah, who came to rescue, you know, came to his rescue, killed the Philistine. Now wait a minute, he killed the doggone giants. What he did? Yeah, he did. Sure did. After that, David's men declared, "Hey, boss, you ain't going to battle with us anymore. Would you stay home?" Should we risk snuffing out the light of Israel? Now, why is he called the light of Israel? Well, we have been watching everything David did. David prayed. David thanked the Lord. David followed the Lord. David made mistakes like you and I. Still came out on top. top. He got run out of office. He came back in office within less than a week. Well, here we go. Later, during, the war, during a war with the Philistines. Wait a minute. We just had a war. Yeah, here's another one. Simekiah the Hushite kills Saf, another giant. And still another time at the same place, Elhanah killed the brother of Goliath. Yeah, but this, I, Richard, I really believe they were smoking dope and they remembered that story and they had to make up this guy's name. No, they didn't either, buddy. Whose spear handle was as huge as a weaver's beam. I wish I knew what a doggone weaver's beam was, but you can look it up. It must be pretty big. All right. And once when the Philistines, look at this. We still got another giant. And once when the Philistines and the Israelis were fighting at Gath, a giant with six fingers. Can you imagine that? Wow. And he has six toes. Man. And David's nephew. No, they, they were drinking again and they're confused. It was David killed it, so this proves the David and Goliath story didn't happen. No. Separate story. This was David's nephew. Separate giant name, too. Look at that. The son of David's brother, Shemiah, killed him. Wow. Man. Okay, uh, let's see. I was looking for something there. See if it was there. Uh, anyway, okay. These four, uh, excuse me, these four were from the, the tribe of giants in Gath and were killed by David's troops. Now, how does little peon people beat giants? Jesus. Jesus. Now, you don't read this 10 years from now, but here's where we stop. Look at this for today. David sang this song to the Lord after he rescued him from Saul and... We just saw all his other enemies. You can see this. I, well, I, I think it's Psalm 18. But anyway, here it is again. This is a total different book from the book of Psalms. And you see how they fit hand in glove? One says this happened. The other says that happened. Okay, here we go. Jehovah is my rock. Now, notice he didn't say, David sang this song when he felt like the Lord was going to let him go to heaven. Because I'm a Baptist. That's all God promises is that you can have the pitter-patter of assurance that when you die, you're going to be in heaven. No, it's like Phil was trying to tell those young people. Y'all are 35 years old and you're prime and y'all are living way down here. And let me tell you, I used to be that way, but now I'm up here. God will raise every one of us up. Anyway, Jehovah is my rock. 
my fortress, my savior. And he's not even referencing going to heaven. I will hide in God, who is my rock and my refuge. He is my shield. Now remember, the historian was told by David, and anyway, his record keeper, write these things down. My salvation, my refuge, my high tower. Thank you, oh my Savior, for saving me from all my enemies. Listen, don't use this once a year. I was sitting there the other day. This is just a typical example. I could not remember something that I really needed to read the other day. I knew it was Psalm 30. Psalm, I knew it was somewhere. But it was, it was Psalm 25. But just how quick you can forget what the content. I knew the good things in there that I wanted to read for myself. And that stuff can fly out the window if you don't go back and read these things. They don't use this for once in your lifetime. This is all the time. Look at this. I will call upon the Lord. What does that mean? Well, telephone, whatever. It's your prayers. Who's worthy to be praised? He will save me from all my enemies. Thank God. If you lose your wallet, you have car trouble or whatever it is. Oh, I had car trouble the other day. I had car trouble, but the Lord fixed it. I got one of my Volkswagens. Yeah, they're old. I headed out, and I was already in traffic. And I was like, I thought, oh, man. Oh, my God, you turn. I need to get this back to the house. Well, I got back to the house. But before I got to the house, all of a sudden, it was running like a scald dog. flying. But I still got in the Lincoln, and I went back to work. I had to get back to work. But then the next day, I said, that thing's fixed. And so I got in that thing, run it all the way to work, and run it back home. We're running fine. Richard, you don't believe it's the Lord. Let me tell you, I was in a suit and tie and I didn't want to get caught in traffic. I will call upon the Lord and he'll get you out of trouble. Look what he says here. He says, we're stopping right here. Watch this. It's about the, the waves of death surrounded me. Floods of evil men burst upon me. I was trapped and bound by hell and death, but I called on the Lord. And he heard me from his temple. My cry reached his ears. I believe this is, this is all in Psalm uh, 18. Then the earth, yeah, because it says here God started smoking. Watch this. And the earth shook, trembled, foundations of heavens quaked because of his wrath. Now that wrath is on your side. Smoke poured from his nostrils. I like to tell people that are smoking, that are using that thing to make it sound like, well, I can't go to church. I said, well, God smokes. Smoking's got nothing to do with you and Jesus. Anyway. Okay. Whoops. Let's don't go there. What do I got to hit quick? Yeah, remind me tomorrow. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, look at that fire leap from his mouth. Burned up all before him. Setting fire to the world. Now, what's all this about? You just called and said, hey, I lost my wallet. Man, God's on the scene, man. He bent the heavens down. He came to earth. He walked on dark clouds. He rode upon the glorious on the wings of the wind. Yeah. David, not for you, please. Now you know why Jesus referred to, uh, well, God gave him all these blessings and stuff. Because he said, this is a man after my heart. Darkness surrounded him. Thick clouds were around him. The earth became radiant with his brightness. The Lord thundered from heaven. The God of all gods gave out a mighty shout. He shot forth his arrows of lightning. Well, he must be talking about, the, no, he's still talking about his whatever meaningless or whatever problem he had. He rooted his enemies by the blast of his breath. Yeah, he's still talking. David's still describing how the Lord got him out of trouble. Uh, by the blast of, his blast of his breath, the sea was split in two. The bottom of the sea appeared. Now, where did he get all that from? David knew what happened. 
From above, he rescued me. He drew me out from the waters. He saved me from the power, my powerful enemies and from those who hated me. No wonder somebody wrote a hymn called Love Lifted Me. I was sinking deep in sin, <laughs> far from the peaceful shore. You know, oh, man. Anyway, from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. Love lifted me. I mean, David knew God loved him. He saved me from powerful enemies and from those who hated me and from those who were too strong for me. Praise the Lord. They came upon me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my salvation. I don't care how down you get. You got to be looking at this. He set me free, rescued me. I was his delight. The Lord rewarded me for my goodness, for my hands were clean, except for Bathsheba. No, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Your sins are gone. Jesus said, I mean, David wrote and says, as far as the east is from the west. We're all going to make mistakes. I've not departed from my God. I knew his laws. I obeyed them. No, you didn't. No, that's me pulling out things and trying to bring up crap about David. We're all forgiven. We've all made mistakes. I was perfect in obedience. Well, that's questionable. No, it's not questionable. Is this what you say about yourself? Look at that. I kept myself from sin. Wait a minute. Boy, when you repent and you tell the Lord you messed up. I remember the first thing David said to Nathan when David said, Well, the little boy had a lamb and his neighbor killed it. And a lot of them, David said, Well, we're going we're gonna to make that guy pay. And Nathaniel says, Well, boss, you the man. <laughs> and David goes, Okay, I blew it. I blew it. I know it. It's all God wants. That's why the Lord's done so much for me. For he sees I'm clean. Now, here's the key. You're merciful. He didn't say, well, I deserve it. I deserve it. I'm God's favorite. No. You show your, uh, you, you show your perfections to the blameless and to those who are pure. You show, you show what? Yourself pure. But you destroy all those who are evil. You will save those in trouble. You'll bring down the haughty for you watch their every move. Oh, Lord, you're my light. Look at that. I love this. You make my darkness bright. Look at this. By your power, I can crush an army. I can run through a troop, leap over a wall. See, this is Psalm 18. For his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is true. He shields all who have not. What, what's this shield about? Your temporary problems. That's where we're messing up. Not letting the Lord help us with our little problems we have. Yeah, but this is medical and I've talked to my doctor. There you go. Let the Lord be your shield. Yeah, thank God you got a doctor. Thank God you're whatever. Well, I'm just getting old. I'm 59. I'm getting old too. But I'm not going to let the Lord... Be treated as though, Lord, you can't take care of old people. Oh, he can take care of old people. David thought he could take... <laughs> David, we just saw David going, I'm going with you this morning. <laughs> and he was doing a pretty good job until Abishai had to save him from a giant. And even then, David said, I'm sure David said, I had him. <laughs> you know, and Abishai's going, yeah, in terms of the Lord, you had him. That's right. Because I'm sure Abishai was fighting something over here. And he goes, whoa, my boss. And he got over there just in the nick of time. Anyway, whatever. Our Lord alone is God. We have no other. Look at the phrase. Look at these adjectives if you're an English teacher. What does that mean? Savior. God is my strong fortress. Let's get through this. Look at that. He made me safe. He causes me to walk steadily and tread like mountain goats upon the rocks. I went to, you know, I don't like telling my stories, but I, I, I was in Anchorage and I saw these little white dots on the side of these cliffs and I thought... Okay, I've seen this on TV, but these stupid goats are out of their mind. They're stupid. They're walking. 
<laughs> they don't, they're not tethered with ropes either. You've got to think the lead goat is, needs to be, he needs to fall, you know, leading everybody else up there. But anyway, that's why David knew this. Like mountain goats upon the rocks, he gives me skill in war and strength to bend a bow of bronze. You've given me the shield of your salvation. Your gentleness has made me great. You've made wide steps for my feet to keep them from slipping. I've chased my enemies. I basically pulverized every one of them. Let's get through this. Remember, this is Psalm 18, but it's also here in 2 Samuel. I've chased my enemies, destroyed them. I did not stop till they were all gone. I destroyed them so none of them can rise again. They've fallen beneath my feet. You've given me strength for the battle and have caused me subdue, to subdue and all those who rose against me. Now, don't you think David should stop here and say, now, I'm just not giving you the full picture. I had some bad days and some good days. No. Uh-uh. You think Jesus had some bad days and good days? Mm-mm. Turn away and turn and run away. I have destroyed them all. They looked for help. They cried to God, but he refused to answer. I beat them to dust. I crushed them like dust along the streets. You have preserved me from the rebels of my people. He sure did, even his own son. You preserve me as the head of the nations. Foreigners shall serve me. They'll quickly submit to me when they hear my power. They'll lose heart. They'll come trembling from their hiding places. Now, would you stop a minute and think, why do we have all this? Because it's for us too. Otherwise, the Lord would have said, that's private. You can ask David about it when you get to heaven. No, we have it because it's ours. Here comes some lyrics to a song. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock. There it is. Praise to him, the rock of my salvation. Blessed be God, who destroys those who oppose me and rescues me from my enemies. Yes, you hold me safe above their heads. You Look at that. You'll deliver me from violence. No wonder. Yeah, well, hello. I give thanks to the Lord among the nations and sing praises to your name. He gives wonderful deliverance to his king and shows mercy to his anointed. In other words, I've made mistakes. Last piece of it right there. To David and his family, look at that, forever. Now when David quits being king, Solomon's going to take over and he's doing pretty doggone good. And then he slips down a little bit. And then the next king doesn't do too good at all. But then like the next one, he's pretty good because he's following the Lord. And you'll see these Levels of blessing and, and beating the tar out of their enemies. And it's because just trusting the Lord. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We just thank you, Lord. If we're not feeling good today in our bodies, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? You're there to help us. Praise the Lord. David said these are benefits in Psalm 103. You forgive all our iniquities and you heal all our diseases. Praise God. Same thing's true financially. Boy, if we're hurting financially, you'll fix that. Hallelujah. If it's some other problem, boy, a long list of what David had said here. But, Lord, our problems fit in there somewhere, so we know you will get us out. And that doesn't leave anything left but for us to take our historian and tell him all the details so we can tell others what you've done in our life as we tell them about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.